the IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We're your hosts from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch. And this is Steve Shokat, and today we have as our guest, Kevin Myers. Now, Kevin is with the IBM Cloud Private Team, and we've actually had people speak on that topic in the past. Hey, Kevin, welcome. Hey guys, how you doing? So Kevin, um, I'm going to start off with the first question. And yes, sure, as Steve said, that we've had a couple of people on the show before talking about cloud private. But I want to kind of look at it in a different sense because I've actually got a few figures right in front of me here because the other day I read a really interesting, I guess you could call it a survey from Forrester and Vitastream. And it said that 86% of large companies surveyed now are using a multi-cloud strategy. So as I got into the weeds of some of those more figures, and I'll just ramble a few of them off, not to sound boring, but 54% were using public cloud and 59% were using a hosted cloud provider. There was loads of other stats in there as well, but what I was seeing, Kevin, was an overlap. So why are companies now starting to adapt multi-clouds? Doesn't, doesn't that make life harder though? It, it does make life um, harder. Um, and that's part of the problem that we're trying to help solve. But I mean, the, the real answer to your question, Ian, is that um, we're one of the reasons why customers are going to embrace multiple cloud architectures is because the value proposition exists in different places. There are public cloud services that um, are, are critical to uh, competitive advantage. There's you know, a lot of different um, data services and analytics services that only exist today um, in the public cloud. And so, um, you know, there's a desire to put um, parts of, of the application in the places that make the most sense for the kinds of, of value proposition that you're trying to drive. But the reality is, is that, um, you know, there's a lot of industries and a lot of businesses uh, for which um, some kinds of data don't make any sense outside the, outside the firewall. Um, either because the uh, the IP is too important or because regulation dictates that they need to have complete control of that data. And so in those cases, um, customers are, are really struggling to figure out how to take advantage of services that exist um, in uh, the public cloud while facing the reality that either um, parts of their applications haven't been modernized and, and exist behind the firewall or, you know, for whatever reason, uh, they believe that they need to keep some of that data in-house. So, um, you know, the reality is, is that a, hy a hybrid application um, with uh, multiple clouds is, is just a reality uh, for one reason or another for just about every customer that we talk to. So a customer could come up with a single application that does both a public cloud for services A, B, and C, and then also reaches back or runs in the back uh, in, in their private environment because it uses IP. I mean, that could be a normal environment these days, right? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about, so obviously one of the first uses of cloud computing was to build uh, cloud-native applications, right? So you start with your microservices, and, and in those kinds of environments, especially if you're just trying to get started with something, uh, maybe you haven't even hooked it up to real data, but you're just, um, you know, you're experimenting. Uh, up. It's really super easy for a developer to get started uh, in a public cloud situation, right? They don't have to ask anybody for hardware. Some, you know, it's essentially magically um, provisioned for them. They can say the specs that they need. They can grab the, the, the pieces of, of middleware that they need, and they can get started. But the reality for the majority of our enterprise customers is, is that they started with a monolithic on-prem application that they've been building for, for decades. Um, 
And they want to do a couple of things, right? So one is they may want to modernize the way that they're building and developing that app. Um, maybe they've now decided that they need some type of systems of engagement, like a, a mobile application or a new web front end. So, you know, they want to expose their legacy system, maybe with APIs, or they need to refactor portions of it. Um, there may be services that make a ton of sense to live out um, in the public cloud and be exposed. But the reality is, is that either they've got a, you know, a large backend system, maybe they're where they store their customer data, where they store specific parts of their IP, that they either makes no sense to lift into the public cloud, or um, for one reason or another, you know, I mean, the, the classic example is a Swiss bank, right? Um, you know, there's a, there's a reason why Swiss bank accounts have such intrigue for those of us that, that you know, in movies and things like that is because uh, of the secrecy involved, right? There's no way, and in fact, you know, it's my understanding that government regulations say that, you know, the information for Swiss banks, it, it needs to be protected and stay on site. And so in those situations, even if they wanted to build a fully, um, you know, modern application in a public cloud, regulations won't allow them to do it. So in those cases, um, the reality is, is that either because of, you know, just the nature of the amount of data, the kind of data, there's plenty of, of situations where um, there's no way to move uh, parts of the application to the public cloud. So all of my money off in the Swiss bank, the billions and billions is safe? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, but it's um, interesting. I mean, you know, there's, there's while, um, you know, in situations like that, I mean, the, the classic ones are, you always think about secrecy, right? So whether it's, you know, a federal situation, um, you know, like the FBI or CIA, or um, it, it would be a Swiss bank, you know, that your mind immediately goes to those kinds of scenarios where they want to take advantage of the most modern services that are available, the most modern ways to develop applications because of the need to respond to, you know, to, their, to the problem they're trying to solve, whether that is provide a great customer, you know, retail experience in the case of a bank, or in the case of, you know, uh, a military or, um, you know, some other federal um, institution, it may be responding to the changing nature of, of the world that we live in. But the reality is, is they want that velocity, but the nature of the work that they do demands that they have that in a completely controlled uh, situation. So um, bringing the power of a private cloud solution to them allows us um, the opportunity to give them that velocity. And in a lot of cases, allows us to move some of those services out of the public cloud and into and behind their firewall so they can leverage um, both the, 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 the kinds of development that they can do now with, with modern application development, as well as take advantage of some of the analytic services and other services that are available in the public cloud, but behind their firewall. So, so it sounds like, and then I'm going to let uh, my partner in crime talk, but it sounds like there are unique challenges, but it sounds like um, companies like IBM are starting to solve those challenges and make it easy to, to come up with that truly hybrid application that runs in both, you know, tap services in both places. And so your Swiss bank and such could go off and implement something uh, using both a public cloud and a private cloud. That's correct. Absolutely. So, Kevin, I'm going to get back to my survey because I've still got some burning questions, right? I, I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but it's really interesting. So, something else that I picked up from it, and it was something that I was 
I was, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little bit taken back by, but it said that companies today, when they're creating their cloud environments, are favoring performance over resilience, over disaster recovery, over high availability, or even over compliance as well. Why is this the case? Like, why are they, why are they putting performance that's more important than A, security, or even disaster recovery or high availability? What, what's kind of driving that? So uh, I think, um, and it's, it's an interesting take, um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, um, that, that speed uh, and responsiveness to the marketplace is, uh, is, is critical uh, for, for most companies at this point in time. Um, that velocity, the ability to deliver changes, the ability to respond to changing market dynamics becomes really important especially as you onboard a new service. Um, you know, one of the, well, you know, even those of us that are building this software, it's no different than those that are building applications with this software. Um, as we have changed from a more waterfall method to a more agile methodology, as we've embraced um, uh, things like design thinking, which as a company, uh, IBM certainly has, um, you know, one of the things that you do is you begin to deliver smaller chunks of functionality and see how it resonates with, with the marketplace. And as you do that, you need the ability to, to provide updates and fixes, and you need the ability to pivot um, to, to happen extremely quickly. That doesn't mean that you're ignoring things like high availability and disaster recovery. Uh, my guess would be that if you ask them to prioritize you know, whether or not they could live without those things, I think the answer would be no. Um, and that's why they look to um, private cloud solutions that have you know, best practices for um, those things. It's almost like those things need to be assumed, but their primary driver uh, is uh, enabling their ability to accelerate the response to the marketplace. Um, because the reality is, is that if they don't respond to the marketplace more quickly, uh, they're going to get left behind. There are so many emerging competitors in almost every market that um, you, know, you need the ability to accelerate your ability to answer the marketplace. No, I, I completely agree with that. But can I be honest for one second? I, I, I would, maybe it's a bit of a bold statement to make, but if I was building, I would assume that, of course, I want to go for resi- or I want to go for performance over the others, right? Because it's something new in the marketplace. You want to get it out there. You want to, you want it to perform well for the actual users. Where considering disaster recovery, high availability, even load balancing or security my assumption would be it's going to be more difficult to do in a multi-cloud environment, right? It, it, it certainly um, can become difficult. Uh, that being said, um, the, the reality of how we've architected a, a lot of cloud solutions is to allow for um, some of that resiliency to be built in by the nature of the technologies that we're utilizing. So when you look at some of the underlying um, you know, value proposition that containerization brings to the table, um, one of the things that you're, you're factoring into the way that you architect, maybe not the most simplest of applications when you're starting out and, and learning the technologies, but once you're building a, a production grade application, um, you're gonna, you, by the very nature of what you're trying to do, is make sure that you're building resiliency into the underlying infrastructure and the architecture of the application. So, um, you know, by utilizing um, multiple sites, potentially even multiple clouds, um, you have the ability, I mean, the classic value proposition that everybody talks about would be like automatic bursting. So I've got my thing 
you know, I've built my application, I've got it deployed to some cloud, but all of a sudden, um, I have been so successful in the marketplace that uh, it goes crazy. It goes absolutely viral. And so I need the ability to burst into some other clouds so that I can use excess capacity, but I want to have the same basic architecture and the same deployment for my application. So that's the, the classic best case scenario. And obviously the, the classic worst case scenario is that, um, you know, uh, either because the, the uh, cleaning crew unplugged my data center to plug in the vacuum cleaner and everything went down, or maybe there's some natural disaster, but for some reason, operations need to move quickly from one geographic area to another. Um, the, the very nature of how we design and build um, uh, cloud applications are, are designed to, um, to allow elasticity and, um, and disaster recovery. Cool. So, so IBM actually, we've talked about several different areas, and I know IBM Cloud participates in all those areas. So, I mean, you know, clearly we've got a, a public cloud, uh, we have a hosted private cloud, and you, you know, you're actually from the IBM Cloud private team that actually can run on the side of my Swiss bank holding all that money. Um, how important is it for enterprises to be able to run their workloads where they want? You know, even if that means I have to have more clouds than one. Well, it's, it's extremely important. And I think that, that one of the, the interesting things that we are trying to enable with IBM Cloud Private is a consistent um, operating environment that integrates into uh, many of these different cloud environments. So, you know, as, as an example, one of the things that we, we, um, we talk a lot about is IBM Cloud Private as um, a universal platform for running IBM middleware and containers. And what we mean by that is, is that what we're trying to enable is, um, you know, we have the facility to allow you to install a, a private cloud behind your firewall and give you all the pieces that you need to get started with a, uh, a highly resilient cloud infrastructure that provides you uh, integration to your networking, your storage, your enterprise operations, your enterprise security subsystems, right? So we come out of the box with all those pieces, but we've also done a lot of work to integrate with other clouds and other cloud providers um, to essentially make it possible for our IBM middleware teams to containerize their, their solutions, build against a common logging, monitoring, and container infrastructure that provides then the plug-in to the networking storage um, operations and security subsystems. So essentially, if you think about it like, um, well, I like to think of it a little bit like Lego, um, where uh, you start with your, your, your green base for your, your Lego house and a bunch of pieces plug in on top, um, but then you might set down that, Le that Lego house on a, on a, bigger, on a, on a bigger platform. And so IBM Cloud Private becomes the place where all of IBM middleware can plug in. And then we can plug IBM Cloud Private into public clouds, into, um, uh, into other private clouds, and into other cloud providers. So um, whether that's IBM's public cloud, whether that is you know, things like Amazon's AOUS, um, wherever you might have deployed Red Hat OpenShift, the idea is, is that we enable um, the, the real easy portability of um, of your your you know, cloud deployment. So Kevin, IBM say that you can run your Lego where you want. I'm sorry, you can run your workload where you want. Sorry, I really like the <laughs> analogy with Lego. So you can run your yeah. workload wherever you want. 
And that's true, right? Because we've got so many different cloud options with public, hosted, internal, through ICP. But is that true for every other cloud provider out there, right? So we're, we're all providing our own little niche and our own little way of doing business, but that's not the case to run everywhere, anywhere as you want with the rest, right? No, it, it's not. And I think the other thing is, is that some of the nuance, you know, one of the things that we've worked really hard to do is to, um, it, it, you know, we, we talk about our IBM One Cloud strategy. So, you know, one of the things that we want to do is to make that experience, you know, it doesn't matter whether you want to deploy it to our private cloud or our public cloud. We want the, the, the way that you go about doing that, the technologies that we're using to be a consistent experience for the end user, no matter what part of your application you're deploying where, um, we're going to make that as seamless as possible. So we do a lot of work within my development team to work with our public cloud brethren to, to make consistent interfaces and, and consistent experience. And so, um, you know, that's not necessarily the case. And I think, you know, we've, we've learned through experience, um, you know, um, how to do that. Yeah, I think the other thing that's maybe a little bit different is, is the choices that, that folks have you make. One of the things that we've done with IBM Cloud Private is essentially given you control to run your private cloud um, where, uh, you know, some of, some of the other vendors, I think, are in a, a position where they're looking to run your private cloud for you. And, you know, I think we've learned through experience that, that that's not necessarily a model that most of uh, our enterprise clients are looking for. Um, right. If they want to run a private cloud, they're looking to run and control that private cloud on their own. Um, so, you know, it's just, in, it, you know, one of the things we're trying to do is give them choice and flexibility in their private cloud option, uh, along with the elasticity that they get if they were to choose, you know, just any other cloud provider. So Kevin, finally, before we wrap up the show, if I wanted to find out more what exactly IBM are doing to run that enterprise workloads, both in native and cloud-enabled applications in a multi-cloud, what am I looking for online? Will a simple Google well, search do me? A simple, a simple Google search will do you. Like one of the things we talk a lot about, and, and one of the places that I always send people, because I think it's a, a fantastic resource, is to the IBM Cloud Garage. So, um, you know, it's an online resource where we have a multitude of different architectures and um, guides around, um, you know, just best practices around solutions. And one of the things, one of the places where you can really start to see um, you know, how to use a multi-cloud architecture is a lot of the really good articles around application modernization. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about trying to take, you know, a monolithic on-premise application and begin to expose parts of it to the public cloud so that you can utilize services or so that you can begin to build systems of engagement on top of those legacy applications. But we also have a lot of guidance around how to begin the process of breaking up that, model, that monolith uh, modernized portions of it uh, where it makes sense, um, where to leave pieces be where it makes sense, um, but how to make the interface between those two as seamless as possible and make the management of a hybrid application where you've got a mix of, of legacy portions, on-premise cloud pieces, and public cloud pieces all working harmoniously. So a really, really good, good resource is the IBM Cloud Garage. Okay, we'll check it out. Kevin, thank you so much for all the information. Um, for the wonderful Lego analogy and for being on the show today. And guys, Thank you guys, it's been a lot of fun. Good, good. Some guys for myself and Steve, thanks for joining in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast.